You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. He's in the building! Drink the moment. Drink it. I said, empty your mind. Coquettish and coy. Ow! Ow! What? talented more than great it was historic crack is world oh good for you i have to apologize one of the hottest welcome back to the reheat a podcast that re-examines the hottest celebrity news and scandals of yesteryear and asks how would we react to the same events if they'd transpired today I'm your co-host, Sarah Sahagian. And I'm Staffa Hassan, your other co-host. And today's episode is all about a man who has had a lot of people talking. Your group chat, your mom, your boss, the cashier at the grocery store over the weekend. I am talking Will Smith. It's been just over a month since he infamously slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars and minutes later won his first ever Oscar. Now, to begin, Sarah, tell me what comes to mind when you think of one Will Smith. Okay, so I really associate and this is not his his best work he's done a lot of really great things but yeah i really associate him with my middle school so songs like miami big willie style middle school dances like are so iconic for me so i first met will smith through music for some reason i didn't see the fresh prince of bel-air until after i'd heard his music um, I guess it just wasn't syndicated where I was watching maybe after school TV or something. I don't know. So that and Wild Wild West and yes. Men in Black, of course, like all of those iconic movies. I knew him more as a movie star than a TV star. But then in university, I went back and watched The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And I realized like he actually, I think movies and TV are very different. And it it takes different things to be great at TV than to be great at movies. But he was charming in both yes. film and TV. Like, he made it work. So I was really impressed with him just as a TV and a movie star. Like, he's such a star. I think you're so right. That's the way I think of him. And also very beloved. Like, mm-hmm. when I think Will Smith, honestly, I think very happy, positive feelings. I have always loved him. I think a lot of people have, especially millennials, because we kind of grew up with him. Like you said, there was his music, but then there was Fresh Prince, which was, of course, something I watched every episode of, like, maybe a hundred times when I was younger. He's just that guy. And when you think of him, you think of that really big high wattage smile. He is like mm-hmm. the movie star everybody loves. But there's an underbelly. There has to be an underbelly. So, as always, to understand any multimillionaire, it's best to start at the very beginning, especially for Will, who grew up in Philadelphia, obviously, with three siblings and to a sweet, sophisticated mother, as he's described her, and an authoritarian, stern father who was often violent. In Will's memoir, released in 2021, entitled Simply Will, he opens by sharing a key anecdote that would come to define just about every choice he'd make after. As Will writes, quote, I've always thought of myself as a coward. Most of my memories of my childhood involve me being afraid in some way. Afraid of other kids, afraid of being hurt or embarrassed, afraid of being seen as weak. But mostly, I was afraid of my father. When I was nine years old, I watched my father punch my mother in the side of her head so hard that she collapsed. I saw her spit blood. That moment in that bedroom, probably more than any other moment in my life, has defined who I am today. There was a second moment, too, that would change him. It was when he and his brother were much younger, and their dad had insisted they help him lay bricks to build a new wall at his shop. Will wrote, quote, From my entire career, I have been absolutely relentless. I've been committed to a work ethic of uncompromising intensity. And the secret to my success is, as boring as it is, unsurprising. You show up and you lay another brick. Pissed off? Lay another brick. Bad opening weekend? Lay another brick. Album sales dropping? Get up and lay another brick. Marriage failing? lay another brick. Will explained that this one moment gave him the, quote, will, see what he did there, to fight adversity in all arenas. He says he spent his life apologizing to his mother for, quote, failing her, for not standing up to his father and facing his own cowardice. And most poignantly, Will writes that this is why he constructed the persona we all have known and loved, the smiling, cheerful, positive, uber-happy, funny Will Smith that I was talking about falling in love with. He describes it as a, quote, carefully crafted and honed character meant to hide the real him. So a kind of fake it 
till you make it attitude. And he did that Mm -hmm. for decades, during which time he says he buried his shortcomings and trauma under performance and in hopes of being a golden child who could save his mom. As he writes, quote, over the next 40 years, I'd never break character, not once. Here's Will talking about how that's not uncommon on Good Morning America in 2021. There's a certain amount of protection that everybody does. We have a childhood trauma and we decide that's never gonna happen to me again. And in order to not experience that, it demands that we be a certain way. So this was the first time in my life where I felt like I had suffered enough to be able to have something valuable to say. Sarah, are we surprised to learn that the Will Smith as we know him is not actually real? No, because most celebrities manufacture these images that they either think can be marketable and can be successful or they are trying to escape some sort of a trauma. I mean, that's pretty common. A lot of our most iconic celebrities had really traumatic childhoods like Marilyn Monroe, who sparkled on screen, but I mean, had a lot of issues that really she struggled with behind the camera and that she didn't get a lot of help for, tragically and unfortunately. So it's not surprising to me. And I also think that anytime you become this kind of a star, like an actor is is a, a skilled person who becomes other people, right? A star is a persona. Mm. A star is that person that is larger than life and is always enigmatic and magnetic and somebody that you just want to watch. And I think it takes a lot of work to become a star because there are a lot of fantastic actors where oftentimes you see them in an interview and you're like, this is really freaking boring, right? It's like watching your accountant in an interview. They're just a normal person. You're like, okay, yeah, being an actor does not make you a star. It does not make you an interesting human. Um, But being a star, I think, requires that you're always on and that you You can't just be yourself and be what you're feeling in that moment. You have to put on a show. Oh, I think you're so right. And I've never thought about it that way. But I like that comparison. I think it's so true. And I will say, anytime you've got a celebrity who is the happiest, who presents the most positive persona, Mm -hmm. I will always say those are the ones that have me questioning more than anybody else. And not only celebrities. I would say that about people in my life and people who I encounter, which maybe says more about me. But if you're a very happy individual who is always positive and always has a smile on your face. I'm wondering what's going on and what's up. But one thing I will say about Will, I think you're right on, but I will say that I'm a bit surprised, you know, um, going through his book, my God, um, lots of surprises in there that I didn't see coming. But I think what's interesting is that I just didn't imagine that he would construct this much of a persona. Like, it's a lot. Like, he went hard. Mm -hmm. He's covering a lot of trauma and he's covering it with a very big show. I think you're right that most people do do that. But to this extent, I'm not so sure. Well, I mean, he's a skilled actor. I mean, most of us are not actually able to act. So our, our personas aren't as convincing as his persona is. That's a good point. So essentially, Will spent his childhood caught between two energies, his mother's soft, reserved nature and his father's bad temper, military background, affinity for drinking, and constant demands for perfection. It was brutal, and the kids often were forced to take sides. For Will, though, it all made him a more empathic person, a clear through line to his acting, I would say, but it also made him a, quote, crowd pleaser, as he put it. But acting was not his first foray into film, as we all know. Rapping was. Will made up half of the hip-hop duo DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince with his friend Jeffrey Towns. I feel weird saying his real name like I'm exposing him. Mm -hmm. They met at a party in the 80s. They were a solid thing for a good decade and hit it big in 1986 with their single Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. If you don't remember that, I don't know what's going on with you. That blew up. It was all over the radio just before Will graduated from high school if you want a sense of how quickly he began to find his footing. Soon after, they were signed to Jive Records and would win their first Grammy in 1989 for Parents Just Don't Understand, winning their second in 1991 for Summertime, all classics. Now, together, they made five albums and were nominated for four Grammys and also became household names, at least if you watched MTV. Now, if you know Will's music, you know it doesn't get cuter and safer, I Mm -hmm. have to say that. And that was because his grandmother, who he loved more than anyone, once wrote him a note telling him he didn't need to swear if he was a smart person, and that's what he should show the 
the world. The humor in his music was there for a reason too, and there were cultural undertones to just about every one of these decisions, as a side note. As he writes in his book, quote, with Black audiences, I was labeled soft because I wasn't rapping about hardcore gangster shit. This racial dynamic is something that has plagued me in various forms throughout my entire life. But just like at home, performance and humor became my sword and shield. I was your classic class clown, telling jokes, making silly noises, being all around ridiculous. As long as I was the funny kid, it meant I wasn't just the Black kid. That sounds like every decision Will made was super calculated, even at a young age, but also so motivated by his family, his upbringing, his background. Sarah, Mm -hmm. how do you think it benefited him and actually did make him stand apart? Well, I mean, he was motivated. Here's the thing. Like, anytime someone is motivated by abuse and trauma, I'm really reluctant to say, like, oh, that's what motivated them. Because Mm. it is, but it comes from a really damaged place, and there are other ways to motivate children. As somebody who works in the education sector, I, I can tell you, like, this is the way to make a kid financially successful, but super unhappy in their personal life. Well, this is a way to make a workaholic, right? Somebody right. who works because they feel like they have to. It's not the way to make somebody who loves what they do and also is happy with themselves. So, like, yeah, I do think that this helped make him want to prove himself. But I do also think it's sad that he had to prove himself. But that's a common story for all sorts of families where kids are undervalued at home or straight up abused and then decide to prove the abuser wrong and become incredibly successful by capitalist standards. Yeah, perfectly put. And I mean, we know so many of his decisions were motivated by his family because his key thing was he wanted to be his mom's savior Mm -hmm. while all this abuse was happening at home and also change his family's narrative. And he definitely did that. But I think another thing, and we mentioned this in a lot of episodes when our subjects are of color, but as a Black artist, I'm sure it was also something that he was thinking about because he had to be more calculated. You have to be when you're marginalized and you want to break in to a pretty important possible industry, let's face it. And he was thinking about that all the time. So I kind of have to say, good on him. It was good to be calculated. I I don't know that it was good to be as calculated throughout all this time, but it definitely made him. I think that's undeniable. Now, to Will, quote, funny is colorblind. So when that realization hit, a craving to act also crept in. And it was made real thanks to none other than Quincy Jones and Betty Medina, the latter of whom wanted to create a TV series based on his life as a poor kid in L.A., whose life took a turn when he was taken in by a rich friend in Beverly Hills. So there you go. Fresh Prince is based on true story. Now, he eventually made a crucial edit, changing the rich white family into a rich black family in hopes of exploring black class differences. He then pitched it to Quincy, who helped Benny pitch it to Will, who they felt would be the perfect lead based solely off his music success and happy-go-lucky persona. At a party at Quincy's house, they cornered Will into auditioning for NBC execs, drew up a contract that night, and within months, episodes were written, shot, produced, and aired. And the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was born and quickly became one of the greatest family sitcoms of all time, in my opinion. As we all know, Will also wrote and performed the infamous theme song that if you don't know all the words to who (laughs) even are you, the show (laughs) aired for a very popular six seasons from 1990 to 1996 and earned Will two Golden Globe nominations. Shocked there were no Emmys in there. Unfortunate. It was a seminal show, not just in the sitcom world, but as a show with an entirely Black cast and Will was the face of it. In fact, it came to an end when he decided he was ready to move on and dedicate himself fully to film. That's how powerful the show made him. Of course, in 2020, the entire cast reunited and last year Will produced a dramatic rebooted version of the show called Simply Bel Air and it continues to air in syndication. From there, Will was shot into a stratosphere of fame with a decade of movies that made him a movie star and a leading man. These included prepare for this. Six Degrees of Separation, The Bad Boys franchise, Independence Day, The Men in Black franchise, Enemy of the State, Wild Wild West, Ollie, I, Robot, Shark Till, The Pursuit of Happiness, spelled with a Y. I don't know why still. And I Am Legend. 
I mentioned them all because I bet that when you hear each one, especially if you're a millennial, they take you back to a very specific time. I hear each of those and I remember the ads, the music, the clothes, everything that was popular at the time. And that's because he evolved just as our generation did. And he was the face for a lot of it. I remember not being able to get through a single day of classes without someone making a men in black or bad boys joke. (laughs) No one else shone brighter back then. And the additional beauty of it, of course, was that he was a black movie star, arguably the biggest we'd seen in decades at that point. And so he was naturally a man who could fill a theater more than anybody else. Now, at the time, Will had made it his goal to be the biggest movie star in the world. And sure enough, he did it. Forbes even referred to him as the biggest movie star of the post 9-11 era. I don't know what that means exactly, but there you go. They couldn't just say since 2001 or of the 21st century. Like, okay. You know Americans. Anyway, at that point, he'd pulled in over $8 billion at the global box office, had sold 30 million records, and earned two Oscar nominations. What's interesting, too, is that since that decade of hit after hit, Will started knocking out dud after dud. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to remind you of a few because they're startling. There was seven pounds. After Earth, Suicide Squad, Collateral Beauty, Bright, Gemini Man, just a lot of yuck. I'll give him Aladdin, though, because I loved him as the genie, but it's been rough. The taste has evaporated, and perhaps the thirst for a paycheck and desperation for a meaty role has settled in. I don't know, but still, Will Smith is all caps. Will Smith, his celebrity has not been tainted. So, Sarah, why do you think he's kind of started to take on those really shitty roles. Do we think he just wants the money? What's going on with Will and his trajectory since then? Some of them are failed Oscar bait. Like, if yeah. you go back and watch the trailers, because you don't have to watch the whole movie. I'm not going to make anyone do that. Uh, something like Collateral Beauty or Seven Pounds. Oof. Oof. They, if they were better movies, they do tackle some of the themes like love and grief and guilt and all these things that can win you an Oscar. I feel like he just needed a better agent who was better at helping him choose scripts. Yeah. Because if if you want to tackle those themes, there are lots of excellent scripts that do that. Um, and he's a movie star of such stature, he could definitely get roles in films like that. So I feel like he just went through a phase where his team was bad at choosing things and his strategy was messed up. Because I do think like there was a concerted effort to try to win more awards, right? He he yeah. already was a box office superstar. He'd done that for more than a decade. You want to get the validation of winning an Oscar, right? Every movie star wants to do that. Like if yeah. any of them say they're above it, they're not. That's not true. So, you know, that's, I think that's what he was doing. It's like with After Earth. I mean, he came up with that idea with the director, M. Night Shyamalan. He wanted his son Jaded in it. It was a whole mess of things and it mm-hmm. was too much. And I think that's a lot of who Will is when he is left to come up with things on his own and he wants to kind mm-hmm. of run the show. He does a little too much. Um, And I don't know. I think it's interesting, even with King Richard, I think there's a little bit of that there too, but that's a different thing and we'll come back to it. But, you know. And that's why he's such a great action star. Yes. Right? Because comedy. Action movies are over the top. And comedy, you you do have to go a little bit over the top because, you know, you you need to hit the punchlines. Yeah. So I feel like being a movie star in something like Independence Day and making an impression in a movie where there are so many effects and explosions and so much is going on, you do have to have a larger-than-life personality. And he excelled there. But that... And this is the thing. The Oscars don't appreciate genre work, right? Like, there are a lot of action stars who do amazing work and a lot of people like Daniel Day-Lewis who, like... Sorry, Daniel Day-Lewis fans. But he couldn't have played... Like he couldn't have been an independent step, right? No, I'm um, so sorry. And but, I love that man, but no. <laughs> yeah, no, he couldn't, no. right? Like there are a lot of, or like Willem Dafoe, he can't be in Will- Independence Day, but those people win Oscars and the people who excel at action, even though it's just as challenging as just the conventions of the genre are different, the style of acting is different, they will never win Oscars. And it's too bad because Will's best roles are probably things like Men in Black and Independence Day, right? Like they're probably the summer blockbusters where he's so charming and he carries a movie and he'll never get any accolades for those. Yeah, I think you're so right. Although now I want to see Independence Day with Willem Dafoe. Can you imagine that would be like a horror movie? (laughs) 
an independent <laughs> horror movie. It's terror. Um, somewhere in the multiverse, there is an Independence Day with Willem Dafoe. I would Defoe. like to see it. I would like to see somewhere. it. Yeah. I think you're so right. And I'm sorry to Will Smith, although I do think he can be quite good when he does drama. I think he just needs to not be too involved in the behind the scenes. He needs to chill a little bit. Again, didn't even really love his performance in King Richard, but there's something there. There's something there. And one day he will find the director who can pluck it out of him. Mm -hmm. Now, one cannot discuss Will Smith without discussing the entire Smith family because that is a package deal. But for them, too, we've got to start at the beginning. A bit of a serial monogamist throughout his life and the type of foolish man who falls in love from the get-go, Will was married in 1992 to Cherie Zampino, whom he met while visiting the set of A Different World, which Jada Pinkett Smith, Will's current wife, was co-starring it at the time. He'd actually went to go see Jada and try and win a date with her. He was a little bit obsessed. But Cherie ended up catching his eye first. The two quickly fell in love, his humor winning Cherie over, and they had a son, Trey, the same year that they were married. It was very fast, all of it. But Will and Cherie's marriage fell into disarray just as quickly as his career became the central focus. And as he makes clear in his book, he liked her being the stereotypical wife who'd follow her husband's lead and also be there to cook a meal when he came home. He was in tradition. She was not. And I think when she married him, she joined his journey at a time when he was preoccupied with constructing the persona we all know now. And that meant she had to fit a very specific slot. He writes, quote, Cherie used to call herself my placeholder wife. The oh woman God. who... Yeah, the woman who was supposed to check the box of wife in Will Smith's perfect life. Yikes. I think she was also pretty aware that Jada had been the person that he had originally had his eyes on. So it's a whole mess of things. Mm-hmm. They would divorce in 1995 and it wasn't an easy separation. He was enraged and felt betrayed and resisted the idea until she filed on Valentine's Day, which I think is a nice touch. Oh he would consider it the biggest failure of his life, of course. <laughs> But not, I think, in a way that considered their actual relationship, but more as an endeavor he put time into and didn't last. Although Cherie has said marriage was tough on them at a young age, so side note, at the time they were in their early 20s, she also said on her Facebook page, quote, Will was becoming bigger and bigger with his career. I'm becoming smaller and smaller and smaller. He writes about her in a very callous way in his book, by the way, even though she still spends family vacations with him and his kids and Jada because, reminder, they share a son. But he Mm -hmm. also writes about how he fought to have full custody because he wanted Trey to be homeschooled and join him on every film set while Cherie insisted he get a proper education and go to school. Again and again, it becomes clear it had to be Will's way. Sir, what do we think of, quote, Will Smith's perfect life? Like, what exactly was that meant to be? And how are women supposed to meet this man and then fit into it if he's already set up a template? Yeah, exactly. It seems like he already, he was casting the role of wife, at least in his first marriage. That's what it seems like it was. And I understand why she found that to be unworkable and left. I also really empathize with her because I have never been through what she's been through at all, anything like it. But I really feel like I would react similarly if I were in her situation. And listen, lots of people make big mistakes in their early 20s. Most people who get married before 25 will get divorced. This is not a mistake unique to Will Smith or to Cherie. But I understand why it didn't work. Yeah, me too. And I think it is interesting when you take a look at people who sort of project an image of perfection. What exactly happens when they're faced with something that doesn't fall in line with that idea of perfection? I think if you especially read Will's book and if you kind of look at the way his life has gone, anytime something didn't go according to plan, quote unquote, he freaks out a little. There's one anecdote that I can't forget from the book when he mentions dating early on. And again, he's a bit of a serial monogamist, falls in love fast. Mm -hmm. He mentions one of his first major relationships. Um, She cheated on him. And there's a little bit of misogyny that's also laced here Mm -hmm. throughout the book that I don't know if anybody else has addressed and it should be. But um, he seems to often seem like he's been really victimized by women. And he mentions that one. And he says, after that, it was so horrible. Another failure in my life. Every I couldn't even have sex anymore because every time I'd have an orgasm, I'd throw up. And I just remember thinking, excuse me, sir? <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, I guess you just needed to see a therapist. But I, yes. I do think, like, these things can be scarring being cheated on, but also, like, 
to still be angry about it many, many years later and not to have the perspective that like at that age, so many people cheat when you're really young, right? Like monogamy is very hard for super young people with no relationship experience. Uh, So I am surprised that he, that this receives sort of any analysis in the book, right? That he still seems to think it's part of his story. But I don't know. I haven't read the book yet. Well, I will say this. I mean, that's what starts with that kind of startling example. And then you hear more like the same way he fought Shri for custody of Trey. And he was very prepared to blame her for any issue that Trey would have in his life. And even then when Trey moved in with Will at 13, Will decided that that was a personal win for him. So I think it's just this idea that if anybody else steps in and doesn't follow suit with what he thinks is perfection, then it's on them if something doesn't go according to plan. And that's a little shocking for a man who is well into his 50s now. But anyway. Now, before we take a look at Will and Jada's life together, which is when it gets especially juicy, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Now, the moment we've all been waiting for, when Jada walked into Will's life. Yay! Yeah, first, a little on her. An actress, a talk show host, a musician, Jada has always been defined by her tough-as-nails, boss-like personality. In a way, she's a lot of what Will isn't. While he spent his life hiding his fears, she's always seemed naturally fearless. This is what Will has said attracted him to her. She's best known for A Different World, The Matrix franchise, Set It Off, Girls Trip. Also, if you haven't watched Set It Off, you've got to watch Set It Off. A lot of people have not caught that. They should. She was also famously best friends with Tupac, something Will has noted he was very envious of because they had a certain chemistry and Tupac never gave him the time of day. Seems like Tupac may have seen right through him, I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, Jada also created the Facebook watch show Red Table Talk, where she takes pop culture figures to task alongside her amazing mother, I gotta say, and daughter, Willow. It's been a lightning rod since it debuted in 2018, but we'll come back to that. Jada and Will originally met on the set of Fresh Prince when she auditioned to play a girlfriend of his, but was deemed too short, eventually losing out to the also great Nia Long. For the record, Jada is 4'11", and Will is 6'2", and as a short person, I would like to say that can still work, okay? It's fine. Yeah, exactly. I, You know what? As I'm not as short as Jada, but I'm also short. And it really upsets me the way short people, like people think like we can't date people over 5'10". If you love someone over 5'10", that's cool. Exactly. It's very heightest. It can be done, okay? And I am as mm-hmm. short as Jada and we're fine. We're fine. <laughs> the long story short, Will had been holding a candle for Jada for years. And after he and Cherie wrapped things up, he immediately called Jada. And the thing <laughs> is, she was pretty damn into him too. At the time, she decided to leave Hollywood and had bought a five-acre for farm in Maryland, which she was renovating. But once Will called, without having slept a single night on that massive property, Jada gave it all up and flew straight to LA to see him. Which is pretty wild. Okay. Yeah, they both always said the relationship has been a dream because of their deep connection. In his book, Will writes, quote, we talked about everything. She could meet me, ascend, and elaborate on all topics and subjects from Tupac to apartheid, from college basketball to Ganesh and Eastern mysticism. <laughs> Sorry, I need to take a laugh break there. She was, he said, a, quote, queen strong enough to bear the weight of my dreams, which sounds like a little bit of a dig at Cherie and also is an interesting Mm -hmm. way to assess whether someone fits into your life romantically, I gotta say. (laughs) Now, the two were married in 1997 and have had two children together, Jaden, now 23, and Willow, now 21, while Trey would move in with the family when he turned 13. But Will's relationship with Jada, now at the 25-year mark, by the way, pretty big in Hollywood standards, Mm -hmm. has been far from perfect. Remember, these two got together during that decade in which he'd never been more successful. At some point, he was working 80 hours a week, and as it turned out, Jada would be crying on the daily, apparently once for 45 days straight. 
Conflict came and was often rooted in how she had always wanted a quiet life, not a big one in front of cameras. But Will did not relent, of course. And even when she decided to do her own thing, particularly when she started her music career with her metal band, Wicked Wisdom, in 2002, she curbed it just for Will. When Guns N' Roses asked her to open for them and go on tour in 2006, which is a very big deal, she ended up declining and bringing her time in music to an early halt because Will was shooting Pursuit of Happiness with the young Jaded, and they decided she needed to be there with them. In his book, it's unclear if it ever came across to Will what everyone else was giving up for his vision, Mm -hmm. not theirs. He writes, quote, During this time, it was becoming clear that the likelihood of wicked wisdom returning to the stage was dwindling with every moment of Smith family perfection. But in my mind, there was still a solution for every problem. We would have to grind. We would have to sacrifice. We would all have to suffer a little bit. But I had the vision. And if everybody followed my lead, we would continue to win and we would all be happy. We were even winning in the stands. I had Jada to my right and Cherie to my left. We were the picture of the perfect blended family. Nobody could do what we were doing. Not even us. End quote. A hell of a one. So much of Will's personal and professional lives began to blend and what was real, his family, was falling to the wayside so long as the public saw him, quote unquote, winning. Sarah, what do you feel like Jada sacrificed in order to be Will's perfect wife? And how much do we think she's also sort of co-signed his efforts? Because she's been there all this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It seems like he wanted the opposite of what she wanted. I mean, she wanted a a quiet life. He didn't want that. Then she wanted to go on tour with her music. And that didn't work with his punishing film schedule. But In a marriage, okay, I'm not trying to say that she didn't make ungodly sacrifices that should not have been expected from her. But also in a marriage, this often happens, like this kind of heteronormative thing where the man's career comes first, especially when the man was more successful to begin with, right? Like made more money and was more famous. So they're kind of falling into gendered roles that people often fall into in Hollywood. Like I'm thinking of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner, where a similar thing kind of happened to them. Like this is something that happens time and time again. Um, And it's hard to know. In some cases, I do think it's consensual and people sort of think, well, you better prospects and I'm happy to be with the kids and to support you. And sometimes I think that they don't really have a choice. So it's hard to tell here. And I I go back and forth about whether I think in the end, Jada really did co-sign this or not. I love Jada. Like, I think she's tremendously talented and I selfishly wish she'd be in more things. She's my favorite part of Girl Strip, a movie with an amazing cast. So like no shade on anyone else in Girl Strip. Everyone in Girl Strip is fantastic, but I really like her dry humor. And it's unclear to me whether she consciously took a backseat or it's just his career and being his wife and making him happy made it impossible for her to be, you know, more active in her career. My sense from everything that I've read and following these two for years is that it's not totally her cup of tea, but she loves those kids. She loves Will. And I think there is a part of her that also likes the fame and likes the attention and likes kind of just killing it. And Mm -hmm. I think they're also a pretty prominent Black family in Hollywood, and that must come with a lot of pressure, too, to be killing it all of the time. So I think there are so many things at play, and we can only know some of them, unfortunately. (laughs) I wish we knew more. Now, Jaden would also go on to co-star with Will in The Mess, and that's generous, that was After Earth. And that was huge for Will, who loved seeing his son do what he did and also crave his guidance. And just as a side note here, you'll notice with all of the kids' accomplishments, Will always brings it back to himself. Not that surprising. Now, the family really hustled to make this happen. They flew every week from LA to Beijing to be with Jaden for the shoot, but also to see Trey play his high school football games. Willow, of course, was not far behind. She also co-starred with her dad in I Am Legend, but more memorably launched a music career with the song Whip My Hair in 2010. Great song. 
This is a really good song. At the time, she was just 10 years old. The song went platinum, and Jay-Z signed her to his label. Huge for a 10-year-old. Yeah. Will expected her to go on tour and hit it big, but after one big show, she told him she was done. He reminded her she had a record deal and an album to record, and so she relented. You know, this is her dad. But then Willow woke up one morning and shaved her head. For Will, this was the moment he realized she was putting her foot down, and he had to give up this dream. Most disturbingly, he writes in his book that this was when he, quote, discovered feelings. Oh my God. Yeah, that he had feelings, that his kids have feelings, and that he'd have to begin parenting them by considering these feelings. For me, this is the biggest bomb in the book. It's it's really startling. Um, It's tough to digest, but key in understanding just how deep Will's self-absorption runs. At one point, he recalls a young Willow watching him think and then telling her family, apparently, quote, Daddy has a picture of a family in his mind and it's not us. I don't know what child speaks like that, but yeah, it's devastating either way. You're articulate. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's the thing. Will had a vision of what was flawless, and he did get it in a lot of ways. All of his children now have fame. Jaden's kind of an actor, but also a really bizarre internet personality, though I will say he's very charitable, and when you actually listen to him speak, there's some... There's some smartness in there. You just yeah. gotta look for it. Yeah, he's a pretty smart kid. Willow is also very smart, I think. She's a great part of Red Table Talk. She's also a really good musician. She's really good. And I think she got that mm-hmm. from Jada. Um, and Trey, too, has attempted acting and music. What Will and Jada have done is built an empire with children who often feel more like products than their offspring. We can't look past that. Here's a brief clip of Will and Jada talking about the family business and being in service in a strangely godlike way on Oprah years back. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like with Trey with his with his football and Willow is singing and you know, Jaden acting. I just want them to live in service to greatness. Uh-huh. You know, I want them to, to live and to create in a way that when people see it, people are inspired and people become better just by having contact with the things with their excellence with their right. excellence yes yes yeah. you yeah. know and but they served, have to be able to define that for themselves, for themselves right and that's the thing we can't define lies the rub. that that, that lies right because <laughs> we might have a vision <laughs> for what we see yeah but at the end of the day Jaden has to have his own vision willow has to have her own vision and so does trey it's so interesting the way jada jumps in there and says they have yeah. to decide themselves Yeah, well, I mean, and that's a dynamic in lots of families where you have one parent who's like super pushy and the other parent who tries to temper them. And it's like, hey, yo, but the most important thing is for our kids to be happy. Okay. (laughs) Like, I, there are a lot of non famous families who are like that too. That's a very relatable clip. Yes. Now, in his book, here's how Will explains this concept now after years of scrutiny. Quote, Jada and I never pressured the kids into show business. It was true that fame and fortune made Jada uncomfortable. She felt ambivalent about her kids being celebrities. The fact is, the kids simply grew up in it, so there was nothing to pressure. I grew up working in Daddy-O's shop. It struck me as normal that kids do what their parents do. My father sold ice, so I bagged it. Similarly, for Trey, Jaden, and Willow, there was nothing unusual about being on a film set or in a recording studio. It's the family business. It was their normal experience. So no, I did not push my kids into show business because I was an insane, overbearing father. It was only after they decided to be in show business that I became an insane, overbearing father. Okay, so so there's a little bit of awareness, I think. You know, Will sees what he is and what he's done, but I think it's very limited. It's one thing to say that you can see how you come off. It's another thing to actually understand the damage that you've done and that it might be damage. But one thing that I'm curious about for your thoughts on, Sarah, is, you know, we did an episode on momagers and dadagers. Will is undeniably a bit of a dadager. How do you think he compares to Kris Jenner, who I think was one of our standout um, (laughs) backseat moms? What do you think? She, but the thing about Chris is she was able to get buy-in from her family, right? Yeah. Like they all seem to, for the most part, be committed to this enterprise of becoming an empire, right? Like they want to be a showbiz dynasty. Whereas it seems like Will's kids are a bit more ambivalent Mm. about that. So I, I don't know. Like it's hard to tell. Like, is it, is it, okay to do these things that are are kind of a violation of your children's uh, 
privacy and all these other aspects of their lives if they want to be famous? Is that more okay? Like, I don't, I don't know if it justifies it, but I do think that that might be, make it easier to be a loving family if like at the end of the day, everything your mom is doing is in service of helping you achieve yeah. a goal you share with her. Yeah, it's really interesting. And I think what's tough too is that I think this is a difference that I would think of, but he is, I, it seems that it is very impossible for him to separate the kids from the way he sees himself. He's so regimented in who mm-hmm. he represents and the kids are an offshoot of that. And when he says in the book that when Willow came to him and said, basically without saying it, that she didn't want to do this anymore, and he realized his children have feelings for the first time, I mean, my God, yes, fucking go to therapy, but also, Jesus, this guy only thinks of what makes him feel good and feel like he's winning. There's a moment in the book, too, where he describes himself and Jada going to kind of like a relationship counseling sort of thing. And the counselor asks them to list their priorities. And they do it separately, and they show the pages to each other. And Jada puts the kids as the number one, her number one priority. Will puts himself as his number one priority. Oh, Jada bursts into tears <laughs> like a reckoning moment. I think a lot of people would. Yeah. But I think that says everything. And if for him, it took him quite a while to understand that that's not okay. So, you know, I, I think when the, the selfishness comes in, so do the dollar signs. And unfortunately, he might be one of the most alarming managers that we've ever talked about. Now, a turning point in this relationship was Jada's 40th birthday in 2011. Prepare yourself for this. Despite being someone who does not enjoy big displays of affection and prefers quiet time, Will went ahead and did what he wanted. He spent three years planning her birthday party, which he wanted to be at Taj Mahal levels, which, if you don't know, was built by a man for the woman he loved. So... Will had streets shut down for the big night. He had people flown in. Mary J. Blige performed. He even had a documentary made about Jada. As he writes, quote, I wanted it to be small enough for Jada, but big enough for me. (laughs) I don't know if he achieved that balance here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I'm only giving you a few details, by the way. He also adds, quote, throughout my life, I have been haunted by an agonizing sense that I am failing the women I love. Over the years in my romantic relationships, I would always do too much, coddling, overprotecting, desperately trying to please them even when they were totally fine. This insatiable desire to please manifested as an exhausting neediness. To me, love was a performance. So if you weren't clapping, I was failing. To succeed in love, the ones you care for must constantly applaud. Spoiler alert, this is not a way to have healthy relationships. That really says a lot about Will, and I think it also relates back to the slap. But again, we will talk about that later. Back to Jada's 40th. Will spent the entire day and night waiting for her to thank him, and that thank you never came. Later that night, when it was just the two of them, he poked, and she told him she hated all of it, that it was the most disgusting display of ego she'd ever seen. Go Jada. From there, the marriage began to fall apart to no one's surprise. They separated for some time, something the public was not aware of, until 2013, when, in an interview with the Huffington Post, Jada said, quote, I've always told Will you can do whatever you want as long as you can look at yourself in the mirror and be okay, because at the end of the day, Will is his own man. I'm here as his partner, but he is his own man. He has to decide who he wants to be, and that's not for me to do for him, or vice versa. Now, everyone online quickly deduced this meant the pair were in an open relationship and likely had been since the birthday mess. I mean, that does seem to be what she's saying in so many words. Mm -hmm. But she later clarified that she wasn't saying they had an open relationship. She was saying they had a grown one. Okay. We know how Jada likes to invent her own terms. So, you know, make of that what you will. The biggest bomb for these two, however, would come in 2020 when they'd both appear on Red Table Talk and tell the world more than I think any of us expected to hear. After rumors had been circulating, Jada revealed details of their separation and said in 2016 she had briefly dated singer August Alsina, something she called an entanglement, (laughs) lest we forget. She said she, quote, just wanted to feel good and heal someone. Of course, this is Jada we're talking about. Will memorably looked very broken (laughs) during this conversation and at one point sarcastically said, quote, we ride together, we die together. Bad marriage for life. (laughs) It was strange. It was really strange and more than we often get to see of any celebrity couple. Here's a little clip. 
I think um, you need to say clearly what happened. As far as what? You and I decided we were going to take our space and what happened. Yeah, and then I got into an entanglement with August. That's what I said. An entanglement? Yes. <laughs> yes. A relationship. Yes, it was a relationship. Absolutely. I was in a lot of pain and I was very broken. Now, in the process of that relationship, I definitely realized that you can't find happiness outside of yourself. It was a lot. Too much. But what are Jada and Will, if not too much? He also told GQ around that time, in case you were wondering, that she wasn't the only one who stepped out. They've also denied many of the rumors that have followed them, that they're gay, that they're swingers, that they're Scientologists. Although that last one I'm a little unsure of, because even Leah yeah, Remini... are they kind of Scientologists? Like, I feel like they might be Scientologists. Well, our beloved Scientologist, former Scientologist Leah Remini, has even said in the past that Jada was like a low-key member, um, but she kind of kept it on the side. But what's interesting is these two even opened a school at one point for kids and it was presumed to be a Scientology center, but then it quickly mm-hmm. shut down. There's a lot of weird shit about these two, you know, that you can get into if you look yeah. deep enough. Anyway, they denied it. Um, and now they don't even say that they're married anymore. They just say they're life partners until death. And what could sound more fun? Here's Will kind of devastatingly describing this supposedly positive approach recently with Oprah in a conversation for Apple TV. You love in freedom with everybody except your partner, right? Your kids are going to go off to college and you're going to wait for them to come back and they might not be able to come back this Christmas. And, you know, you, you let them go, your friends. There's a certain fluidity in mm-hmm. your interactions, right? It's, it's friendship versus marital prison. Who? Oprah's little reaction there, because what is he saying? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Sir, I gotta ask, why the hell do you think these two are still together? I mean, he's describing torture, basically. Yeah, okay, he is. That That is true. That is what he's describing. I think one thing about marriage is if you really have made that commitment and you want to be with somebody for the rest of your life because you think the long term, that's better and that's the way to maximize happiness and stability for yourself and for your family, you have to accept that there might be entire years where it feels like a slog. Mm. So in some ways, I like that he's being vulnerable and is like, sometimes it's really hard, right? Because that is so relatable. And it's it's taboo to say that sometimes marriage is really hard, but, but it is, especially for people who've been married for 60 years. They will tell you like, there was one decade where it was pretty touch and go, like an entire Jesus, 10 years. Yeah. But now we're through it and we're happy. A lot of happily married older people will say that. So I understand his perspective. I do think it's weird that somebody with as much media training and somebody as charming is is expressing himself so candidly and so bleakly. Um, but, I, you know, it's raw. I believe this. Like, this is an interview with Will Smith where I actually think he is being pretty genuine. Like, I believe he feels this way and he's dropped the facade. I feel that I have grown up with Will Smith to some degree. So a lot of the time when I see interviews that he does, I feel that I can, you know, I'm not a genius, but I feel that I can sense when he's being honest because he gets a kind of sad look on his face. It's almost like that positive, perfect smile cracks a little. Mm -hmm. It's there in that Red Table talk with Jada where he looks really broken and also Mm -hmm. a little embarrassed. And it's there in this Oprah conversation. And when he's even saying all of this, it's almost like he can't stop himself. It's just word vomit. (laughs) And he uses the word prison. And I don't think he intended to do that. And it just slips out. Yeah, and I think um, it does say a lot. And I like what you said because, yeah, I'm not married. But, you know, I hear this from plenty of married friends and we hear this a lot nowadays in pop culture because people didn't always admit that marriages are not perfect and happy all the time every day. It's never going to be that. Um, So I think you're right. There's something great about that, that they're honest. But I often question why they are still together. Um, But at the same time, I think it's great that they were honest to some degree about having an open relationship because also dynamics can change and they Mm -hmm. can evolve and that's great. Like how progressive of them. Um, So I actually think that's really cool. One thing that I do remember though is from um, an appearance that they made on Oprah years back. And um, 
Will was boasting, um, and it might have been the same episode, but he was boasting about having pretty much built an empire and a dynasty. And he was comparing himself to Dallas and JR in Dallas, if anybody remembers that, who all, himself has a whole dynasty. And he's like, I feel like JR. I feel amazing. <laughs> Jada interjected and was like, you know, JR gets shot in the end. <laughs> you know, I always think of that. And, you know, because in that episode, Cherie is also sitting in the audience with her husband and it's their whole extended family. And it seems like they pulled off the impossible. They pulled off perfection. But I don't think they did. I think there's a lot of cracks. And this moment in their relationship showed that. And it must have been really hard for Will mm-hmm. because up until this moment, he got to project perfection. And then Jada was kind of like, hell no, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. And who could, frankly? Like, being with Will Smith sounds very difficult. <laughs> so where are Will and Jada today? Well, in 2020, after the pandemic began, Jada shared on Red Table Talk that she realized during isolation that she didn't actually know Will, quote, at all. Yikes. And they were spending this time learning to love themselves and build a friendship, which has me wondering, what on earth is their relationship then? Yeah, like, what does that mean? Or does she mean, like, I don't know him now, like, he's evolved, he's changed? Um, If you read a little bit more of what, or listen to a little bit more of what she said, the sense that I got was, it's overall, it's not just now, it's that she's never Oh, she never knew him. She feels she never knew him. Yeah, and the core of him. Wow, that's quite the revelation. So that's a little concerning. Um, Fast forward to this March, and the 2022 Oscars, we've arrived. Now, these two were placed right back under the microscope, a place where I would assume they'd be comfortable by now. In one of the wildest celebrity moments we've had in some time, host Chris Rock cracked a joke about Jada starring in a possible G.I. Jane 2 because of her shaved head, which she's had for years due to her alopecia. FYI, Will stormed the stage and slapped Chris, and after returning to his seat, screamed, keep my wife's name out of your fucking mouth. It was a very shocking moment. Minutes later, though, Will returned to the stage to accept his first Oscar for Best Actor in the movie King Richard, which actually marked his return to decent movies, um, but also this moment ended up being defined by a whole lot of other shit. Mm -hmm. It was also a really bizarre speech that he had. Here's a clip. I know... To do what we do, you got to be able to take abuse. You got to be able to have people talk crazy about you. In this business, you got to be able to have people disrespecting you. And you got to smile and you got to pretend like that's okay. Now, shortly after that night, Will apologized and said in a statement, quote, I was out of line and I was wrong. I am embarrassed and my actions were not indicative of the man I want to be. There's no place for violence in a world of love and kindness. But still, you know, many have condemned him. Many have given him love for defending his wife. It's been all over the place. What we don't know is how Jada felt about it, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. We do know, as I have been talking about, that she does not like displays of ego. She's a woman who can defend herself. And all she's really offered since that moment is a reshared Instagram quote reading, quote, this is a season for healing and I'm here for it. Naturally. As for Will, he resigned from the Academy, but he was also banned from the Oscars for the next decade, while several of his upcoming film projects have been put on hold. Now, I've been pretty disgusted by the way a lot of people reacted to this moment and also the Academy because there's been so many violent people to be awarded and honored Mm -hmm. at the Academy and a lot of abusive men who were even sitting there, who were even in in memoriam. Sarah, what was your take on this whole moment? Well, I think, like... At the end of the day, I do think it is bullying and incredibly violating to make fun of someone's health condition, to make fun of alopecia. It's also sexist, like, to make a joke at the expense of a woman's appearance. And I'm not saying anyone deserves to be attacked for making a crass joke because, you know, I've made them too. We we all have. I don't think he deserved to be slapped up. I don't think anyone deserves violence for um, saying the wrong thing, even if it's something very... Hurtful. Are you sure? Because I feel like some comedians deserve to get slapped. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, actually. There's the odd time where <laughs> you're like, yeah, maybe. As a pacifist, I guess I have to say that no one deserves to get slapped, yeah. even though there are some yeah. comedians I would slap myself. <laughs> 
Well, also, Chris Rock had, he made a documentary called Good Hair about Black women yeah. and their hair several years ago. Yeah. Like, who is this guy? He knows what? better. Like, he absolutely yeah. knows better. And I don't believe that he didn't know she has alopecia. I don't believe that. Yeah. She's spoken about that very candidly. This is a celebrity he's aware of because he's made jokes about her at previous Oscars and jokes that were sexist and in poor taste then. So I don't believe that this was an innocent mistake. Um, It is problematic. Um, I think the way the Academy reacted, the way a lot of people reacted to condemn Will Smith, like in a way that like, there was a lot of racial bias there. Like you can't other argue otherwise because... Uh, Harvey Weinstein still has Oscars, and yet you had people calling yeah. for Will Smith's Oscar to be taken away from him. So being abusive, harming people doesn't disqualify you from being esteemed by the Oscars if you're a white guy. Um, it is a real double standard. And one thing I, I said was, imagine if Chris Rock had said that about Annette Benning and Warren Beatty got up and hit Chris Rock. Yeah. I think you would have had a lot more op-eds defending Warren Beatty. And I don't think the Oscars would have been as condemning of Warren Beatty. I just don't. And if you disagree with me, I think you're flat out wrong. Not you specifically. I mean, if if a listener disagrees with me, I think think they're flat out wrong because I think there's obvious racial bias here and we're kidding ourselves if we think there isn't. What do you think? There's a lot of it. I uh, Fortunately, I totally agree with you. And I think a lot of people showed their asses. I think about Judd Apatow, and I'm sure a lot of you saw that quickly deleted tweet he had where he talked about how <laughs> Will could have even almost killed Chris. And How could he have killed anyone? So again, I think what I was fascinated by about this whole incident is just how other people reacted and what other people said. I learned a lot about Hollywood. But when it comes to Will... No surprise that he would do this because, again, he has always done this when it comes Mm -hmm. to Jada and when it comes to any woman. He says himself in the book that he tends to overcompensate so he can win women over and so Mm -hmm. he can make them feel good and protected. Mm -hmm. Part of what I didn't like about his Oscar speech is he went on for so long about how he was protecting the women who were involved in the movie and it had made no sense. It was really irrelevant. It was a bit misogynistic. Um, And it's just, it's, that's where he is always coming from. And I think it's a great fucking thing to defend your wife. Good for you. But maybe let's think about who the wife is. <laughs> Jada said so many times, she does not like big moments like mm-hmm. this. She does not want to be um, the headline the next day. Like, I can only yeah. imagine the hell this caused in their home afterwards and how quickly he regretted it. But it is so Will Smith. And so yeah. when we ask, how is this going to affect their brand? And everything that Will has worked for, I'm not sure it's going to affect it that much because this is not that different for Will. I think a lot of people saw it and might have been surprised and he did get reamed out when I don't think he really deserved it. But I think it just adds to the brand because what they've always been is in the spotlight, whether it's for good or bad. And this was another example of that. He entertained us. And for that, I am thankful. What a great night that turned out to be. What I really found most unsettling, though, is what you so articulately said was unsettling was just like the discourse. It really felt to me like it was just an excuse for people to be their most racist selves, but pretend they weren't being racist. And you had all of these dog whistles. And I do think it's okay to say there shouldn't be violence at the Oscars. Like, if you're of that opinion, I'm not condemning you for that. But to say, like, I'm condemning him and not to say a word about white abusers who have mm-hmm. been embraced and loved by the Academy. I mean, Casey Affleck has an Oscar, guys, and no one's taking that away. Yeah, I think some people, not just in Hollywood, can build up a bit of resentment when a person of color is very, very successful. And I I sensed a little bit of that here, where here is this man who's really famous, made a lot of money over the years, a big deal. Mm-hmm. And here's a great moment where we could topple him right off because we've never liked this. That's what that felt like. Um, yeah, yeah I, I like your point about the publicity angle because this was such a carefully also manicured moment right after that. Like, how are we going to handle that? What are we going to say? And what I think is really interesting, and here is a very mild scoop that I will give you. So I was speaking to a 
noted fashion photographer whose name I will not say. Ooh. It was not Nigel Barker. Um, and he was shooting this event and he was shooting the two of them on the red carpet prior to the show. And he said, he told me that these two were fighting the, the moment they got out of their car and oh. walked the red carpet. And she was giving him the cold shoulder and Will wouldn't even help to pick up her dress. And oh. the entire time they fought, right up until the moment they walked into the auditorium, things were heated in other words. And I bet that whatever happened beforehand, whatever they were upset about in that car on the way there added to the tension that led to Will doing what he did. But again, we don't know these two. And look at the bullshit that is behind all of this. Like, there's a lot happening that we don't know about these two. And it's very controlled. Wow, that is a good scoop. (laughs) That's a good scoop. This brings us to our final segment. Hindsight is 2022, where we choose the one moment that we might have handled differently if we were the subject of this story. I shouldn't have done that. Sarah, what would that be for you? I mean, I wouldn't have been in some of the movies Will Smith was in. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) A lot of them were really bad. Um, And I think I probably, if I had been Will Smith, I think I probably would embrace myself as an action star and try to change the way Hollywood sees that genre. It's going to be an uphill battle, right? It's going to be an uphill battle for that. But I do think we're slowly getting to a place where genre films receive more respect than they once did. Yeah, And I think if anyone could win an Oscar for an action role, it would be Will Smith. I think he is one of the greatest action stars of all time. I, I don't even think it's controversial to say that at all. Like, who who else would you who would who is better no one is better tom cruise um, tom cruise <laughs> okay sorry, okay sorry. Uh, I, I agree to disagree so i think that if i were will i would have embraced that and just been like listen i'm the best action star you have and i'm gonna make some really fantastic action movies because action movies guys they're suffering. It's a genre I quite like, but we haven't had many good ones lately. It's all Marvel. And there is a time and a place for Marvel, but I want proper action films too. You know what? I think he should go back to the Hancock world. I think he should be doing some Marvel. I think that might be where his moment is. I think comedy, action, yeah, let's find our lane. Um, But I think with King Richard's success, we're not going to get that. (laughs) I think we're going to get more schmaltzy drama. Um, But I wish there had been a time earlier in his career when Will put the mask down for his kids more than anybody else. Mm. You know, this Mm -hmm. is somebody who got so deep into creating a character that he didn't even consider those around him and what they might want, which I think is a little bit sociopathic. Um, I don't know that he did win in the end and that he's happy. I don't buy any of that. Uh, And I think the slap is a good example of that. This is a man who had that key linchpin moment winning an Oscar, the ultimate win in the perfect life of Will Smith. And then he had the slap moment, which showed me that he is doing the opposite of winning. So, you know, his book is a revelation. Not in a good way. It made me see someone I never would have expected, someone ugly, quite frankly, but who has also lost touch with reality. So I I would love to see him kind of get back to who he could be if he wants to. Although I will say, I think he and Jada are really good examples of um, using your own trauma and your pain just to empower yourself and your own image before the tabloids can get to it first. That's one thing about this couple and what they've done differently from anybody else in Hollywood. They get to that shit before anybody else can get yep. to it. I don't know if that's a great thing, but it's an interesting thing and something maybe others can pull from. But anyway. Your answer was much it. better than mine. Mine was just like, make make better action. No, I like things. that. You're absolutely correct. We still have After Earth in this planet. That's not going to be erased from our minds anytime <laughs> soon. And with that, we are at the end of this episode. I've got to say a big thank you to Joe Fish, our amazing producer. And if you want to hear more from me, you can find me on Twitter at underscore Sadaf Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Listeners can find me at Sarah Sahakian. And if you liked this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe so other listeners can find us too. Thanks for listening. 